Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Biomara. This is a weekly news show where we'll look at some of the weird, strange, and just downright odd things that have happened in the art and history fields. I'm your host and personal curator, Amara Andrew. This week, oops, sorry. <laughs> this week, we're looking at Michelangelo's self-portrait in the Sistine Chapel, an ancient Roman bust for sale at a Texas Goodwill, and a city resisting AI with cats. So we have all that and more coming up on this episode of Biomara. Let's get to it. Sorry, I uh, jammed the audio down, like way down. My my chubby little sausage fingers slipped on the uh, on the knob. If you're not watching this, I have this little handy recorder that I use to record all the sound and audio at one time, and it makes my life a hell of a lot easier. So anywho, how are you doing this week? I hope you are doing very well. Um, I'm recording this a day earlier than I normally do, so I'm a little thrown off, and I'm like, ah. This week has been pretty good so far. Uh, like I teased in the last episode, Jeff got, uh, well, okay. So in the last episode, I talked about how uh, an artist, Jeremy Cowart, he's a famous photographer and he's photographed basically most famous people ever known. <laughs> and uh, he's done really amazing work. He's also done really amazing work in the NFT space as well. And he has a bunch of different projects that are super cool. I fucked up the name on both of them. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I am an idiot. Uh, but one of his latest projects is called Auras. And I teased that it's just such a cool project. You have to go look it up. Um, I think it's, let me see, what was the website? Cowart.io slash auras. I'll have it linked in the description below. I have it linked in the previous episode also, so you can go check it out. And I talk all about the auras project in that episode too. It is such a cool project. And I teased, I'm getting to the point that Jeff uh, got one of them and he did. I'm going to have it up here for you. Jeff is my boyfriend <laughs> and uh, it is such a cool piece. He actually got one of the coolest ones. It's number 140 in rarity out of 10,000. And if you listen to the episode, it's two different screens and two different uh, ways that images are being projected onto not only Cowart's body because he is the canvas and just go listen to it or watch the full live event video. It's really cool. But the image is actually projected on him and then a separate image is behind him. This one, however that Jeff got it is it it's all quilted and it looks like it all works together I don't know it's very cool very interesting um he also Jeff also got a couple others uh there's one with that has kitties in the background which is really cute really cute <laughs> I'm having trouble talking today so this will be an interesting episode but anywho uh he got a lot of really cool ones I still need to get one so I'm so sorry Jeremy I'm buying them soon um, but that was my little update for that. I think I also mentioned it in the previous episode. I really don't remember now, though. Uh, but we bought our first piece of outdoor sculpture, which is really cool. We have a couple different art pieces throughout the house. We don't have like too much just because our aesthetic is pretty, pretty gray and pretty like open, I will say. <laughs> but slowly but surely, we're building up our art collection, just a personal one, not like Michelangelo's or anything like that. But we're buying just pieces that we really enjoy. We did get our first piece of outdoor sculpture at an art fair and it is really freaking sweet so I have a photo up here if you're watching this it's all rusted metal and it has like cutouts in it it's about like four feet tall or so uh, and it's like this really pretty rusted red kind of metal uh, it's really neat it looks like we call it the potato or the, <laughs> the raisin <laughs> and I really love it I want to make I was saying to Jeff too, I was like, maybe this will be the start of our sculpture garden. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. It'd be cool to have a sculpture garden. I could be that lady. So anywho, that was, I think those are my only two updates. Oh, we actually, this Friday, this past Friday, we also went to Manifest, which 
my undergrad, Columbia College Chicago, is amazing. I really love it. I'm one of the few people that's actually like, yay, it's so cool. But uh, I just, I had such a good time going to school there. So I like being able to support the school in any way that I can now in the future. And I also teach there also, which is really fun. That's a separate story for another time. But um, I always like going to Manifest, which is a showcase where both graduate and undergraduate students can showcase their work, their creative work. So Columbia is it's a liberal arts college, but it's mostly like an art school. So you get to see all this like cool, weird, fun, different sort of art and just see kind of the their creativity that students have been pouring into their work. And a lot of it is I mean, all of it is amazing, but a lot of it is like really cool. And I always like going just to see what people are creating right now and kind of how people are talking about things. And I don't know, it's just really fun to go. And I always feel so creatively revitalized. Like I, I just felt so creative when I was there and I always like going there. I would probably hang out there, honestly, if I lived closer. So (laughs) I don't want to be like that weird, like hanging out at your, at your college all the time, but there's just like such a creative, fun energy and everybody that works there is wonderful. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. It was a very fun time. I like getting to see all the people and I never know if, uh, I've only taught online so I never know if any of my students are there so then it's always like "Eh, maybe taught you I don't really know but anywho it's just always a really nice vibe so that was very fun and I think that is all I have for updates it's pretty boring I'm just (laughs) making a lot of content and trying to grow my business maven which I'm repping in my sweatshirt today so anywho I'm just gonna get straight into the stories because you're probably like can you just shut up already and I I know I'm sorry so let's just get to the stories in the past few episodes i've been talking about a lot of new theories surrounding these famous artworks so i think in episode 27 we were looking at the eiffel tower theory and the starry night and how those two might be connected somehow and then in the last episode we talked about uh, episode 32 we talked about the mona lisa and how a scholar thinks that they identified the bridge in the back like the background of the mona lisa well we have another one this week this week we're looking at yet another famous artwork and this one actually might include a self-portrait of michelangelo (laughs) so according to scholar adriano marinazzo Michelangelo may have created a self-portrait in the Sistine Chapel, and this is a really interesting story because uh, he actually uses tech. Well, we'll talk about it. I'm just, I'm jumping ahead. Um, But Maranazzo believes that Michelangelo may have actually modeled God in the creation of Adam after himself. He has some good reasons why, so let's just jump into those. Just as a little refresher to start, though, the iconic fresco, The Creation of Adam, is on the ceiling of the Vatican Sistine Chapel, just so you know. If you're watching this, I have images up here, but if not, if you're listening to this, then you should go check it out if you haven't, uh, just as like a little refresher. God is depicted as an elderly bearded man whose outstretched arm and finger just barely misses touching atoms or like humankind's. Um, so he's in a prone position. He's laying down, his legs are crossed kind of like a little bit. And then he has his little finger just about to touch, but not quite, which is a little infuriating for me. If you want to have the completion, it's just like, just touch him already. Ah! I don't know why it just it irritates me that is one of the things about that where it's just fucking touch it anyway it's my own hang up like I said Maranazzo is positing that Michelangelo or Michelangelo I'll just alternate between the two but he's positing that Michelangelo based the image of God on himself 
To support this point, Maranazzo is pointing to a letter that Michelangelo wrote a friend when he was painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. In the margins of this letter, which if you listen to this podcast for a little bit, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of marginalia. I am obsessed with it. I talk about it as much as possible, which actually isn't a ton, but I love marginalia. I am obsessed with it. When I was an archivist, marginalia was like, oh my God, I love it. So in in the margins of this letter that Michelangelo sent to his friend, Maranazzo is claiming that the figure that is drawn in there, and I'll have these up also so you can see them, that the figure is standing upright and has their arm outstretched. And while it doesn't look exactly like the image of God on the ceiling, there are some similarities in the pose. The drawing itself has been known by scholars because these letters are publicly accessible and because he's like a famous Renaissance artist, everybody's like, oh my God, I want to look at all of them. So the image has been known and it's actually been supposed to be a self-portrait of Michelangelo, like drawing on the ceiling or drawing, <laughs> painting on the ceiling. But this is where it gets a little different. So Maranazzo, while he was creating a syllabus for his new class on Renaissance art and computer-generated 3D modeling, he did something a little unique and used 3D modeling to see how these two were similar. In the drawing, he states that the artist holds a brush that approaches the ceiling's surface but doesn't touch it, just like God's index finger with Adam. He also points to the crossed legs, like I mentioned God has his legs a little crossed. So does the figure in this drawing. He has his legs a little crossed, which, if you think about it objectively, that is a very odd pose for the human body when you're standing on scaffolding painting upside down because it's on the creation of Adam is on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel so you're like he laid down for a lot of it but standing up and crossing your legs is very weird to do when you're trying to balance to paint very carefully. As you can imagine as with many of the other theories that we've talked about too this has been met with a lot of speculation which I wholeheartedly endorse. I think speculation can be very healthy if done the right way. Uh, so it could just be a coincidence that Maranazzo is reading a little too much into these drawings, but it could also just be that, you know, it could be a cheeky nod that Michelangelo is saying, you know, I am God. I am the artist. I am creating just like God created Adam. I am creating this beautiful painting on the Sistine Chapel. So uh, it for now, it's just still a theory, but maybe in the future, I will have an update and be like, yeah, it totally was. But either way, it's, it's very funny. <laughs> Sorry, I looked directly at the camera and I don't know why. <laughs> That's a little weird. Anywho, the next this next story is my absolute dream. I would seriously love to be able to find stuff like this at Goodwill or yard sales or whatever. I guess I don't spend enough time at either though, so that might be part of the problem. Anyway, a woman in Austin purchased a bust for $34.99 at a local Goodwill. <laughs> and as you can probably guess, this wasn't just any old bust, it was an ancient sculpture. This bust weighs about 52 pounds, is made of marble, and features a face of a nameless man, so it definitely is an ancient statue of some sort. It's also amazing because it looks like the nose is actually intact. I think it's the original nose too. I, I Obviously, I can't really tell, but it looks like it is. So the woman who purchased this bust uh, didn't know it at the time, but she allegedly bought it just because she was, quote, I was just looking for anything that looked interesting. So you might be wondering how the hell did this ancient Roman bust end up on a shelf at a Texas Goodwill? We know a little bit. We don't know the entire story just because provenance is very weird and very spotty for most ancient artifacts and things like that, but we do know a little bit. 
So the bust itself is believed to be of Italian origin, and it was originally housed in a replica of a Pompeii home known as Pompeianum in Germany. Then World War II hit and the bust itself was moved to storage because it was like, hey, this might actually be destroyed if it's kept in here, which a lot of uh, artworks were moved during World War II, which was good that they actually had the foresight for that because the entire Pompeianum was destroyed and it wasn't rebuilt until the 1960s or it wasn't finished rebuilding until the 1960s. So... Then this bust was sitting in storage. Somehow it's believed that a U.S. soldier stole it from storage wherever it was and then brought it back to the United States. I'm assuming then that the person who brought it back to the United States passed away and it was just in their house. And then one of their relatives, not really caring what it was and just trying to move shit out of the house, was just like, oh, just give it to Goodwill. I don't really care. And then that's probably how it ended up on the shelf at an Austin Goodwill. <laughs> so then the person who owned it, she eventually was just like, okay, I think this actually might be worth something or this might be something. She reached out to a couple different people and then they were just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's an ancient Roman sculpture. Sotheby's got into contact with her, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then eventually, I believe it was a little spotty in some of the articles that I read of it. the provenance for this was a little spotty. I believe then she probably gave it to the San Antonio Museum of Art uh, to to be able to be the stewards of it, I'm guessing. It's currently on display there. And at the SAMA, I'm just going to call it that for short, the San Antonio Museum of Art, they believe that this might be a portrait bust of military leader Sextus Pompey, though others believe it might be Roman politician Nero Claudius Drusus Germanicus, so jury's still out on that. It has been confirmed by the Sotheby's that this bust was 2,000 years old. So like I said, it's at the San Antonio Museum of Art. Now it's actually going back to Germany next week uh, as of this recording, and it's either going to live at Pompeianum or Munich's Glyptothek. So We'll see where this bust ends up. A very short story, but I just thought it was very interesting. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> So like I've talked about in, I think, basically every single episode now, AI is a huge, huge issue in the creative discipline. I think you also have now screenwriters who are striking against AI and its use in the the creative writing space and everything like that. So even though there's a lot of shunning of AI and computer-related tech for creative practices, some others, though, are using it to their advantage. Specifically, I want to talk about a new marketing campaign by the city of Vienna. They are creating AI-generated images using actual famous artworks, which we'll talk about what those are in a second. However, they are subverting it by making the central figure cats. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm moving to Austria. If, if Thomas Kincaid used more cats, I think I would like his paintings a lot better. As of now, I can't stand them personally. Jeff loves them. Creative differences. So... The city of Vienna is creating these cat versions using both Midjourney and Dali to generate the images. Uh, they also have, you really should look this up. It's on a website or actually I'll link it below in the description so you can actually, <laughs> you can watch this. The video is spectacular. It's very cinematic. It feels like you're watching a BBC documentary, but really it's just a video of a guy explaining the 
physical, like the formal and contextual aspects of these famous artworks, and then also the ones that have cats in them. <laughs> it's very well done. I really enjoy it. So in the video, art historian Marcus Hubel goes to a few of Vienna's art museums to ponder these three famous paintings like I've teased and their AI counterparts. So the painting is behind him and then he has the AI generated image on an iPad that he's looking at and showing the viewer and everything. So like I said, he talks about the symbolism in the original artworks behind him and like specifically looking at uh, Gustav Klimt's The Kiss. That's the first one that they look at and talking about the masculine and the feminine and blah, blah, blah. And then he also talks about that in relation to the cats that are in the other image and this this domesticity of felines and things like that it's it's very well done. I really enjoyed it. I already mentioned that he looks at Gustav Klimt's The Kiss, but then he also goes to look at Tower of Babel by Peter Bruegel the Elder and Self-Portrait with Chinese Lantern Plant by Egon Schiele, one of my favorite artists of all time. So like I said, in The Kiss, it's the two kitties and they they take the, the place of the male and female. Tower of Babel, it's a seven-tiered structure. And instead of the typical scene that you'll see in the original painting, it's just covered in cats. The AI also did a very good job, or whoever was generating the image, who was typing in the commands and stuff, they did a really good job with the cats because some of them have human faces, so it looks very medieval. It looks perfectly period appropriate, and it's actually a little terrifying. <laughs> and then in Sheila's work, there's a cat who is the central figure uh, instead of Egon himself as the central self-portrait figure. It's a kitty, and it looks a lot like Grumpy Cat. <laughs> In addition to being absolutely adorable, I do think that this is a really interesting idea to, uh, well, let me just read what it says on the City of Vienna's website to describe the project. They say, quote, AI mines vast repositories of existing artworks for data before replicating their substance and style. So you could say it was era-defining artists like Klimt, a huge cat fan, by the way, and Sheila that made AI artworks possible in the first place, end quote. So to me, that almost felt kind of like a resistance to AI a little bit by them. Like they are using the technology to show, to, to educate the viewer, like, hey, this is actually where AI has gotten their ideas from. And when you type in a command, like make me a portrait like Gustav Klimt, they have to rely upon the actual original image. They're saying too that, you know, AI-generated images wouldn't exist without all this different artwork, which is very true. I mean, obviously, because otherwise then what would they pull from? So I just thought it was a very interesting campaign. I don't really have a ton about it. Uh, I thought it was, it's a really cute idea and it is to be a marketing campaign to be like, hey, come to our city, come look at the actual pieces of artwork in the museum. And like I said, I personally do read it as a little bit of a resistance to AI. Like, yes, they are using the actual technology, but I do see it as well, no, like we are still here. We are still museums. And don't forget about the original artwork as you're getting caught up in all the AI generated art. I don't know. I find everybody's reaction to AI very fascinating because like I talked about in a couple episodes, a couple episodes ago, I think it was episode 27 when I talked about Bennett Miller's, uh, his whole gallery exhibition where he's critiquing photography and everybody's reticence to use it and kind of hatred of it when it first came out and seeing it as not a real art form. But now Miller in his exhibit was saying, you know, we have kind of the same feeling and aggression toward AI generated artwork. I don't know. I'm still on the fence about AI generated art. I think it is really fascinating and I think it's silly to not embrace it because it's here. Like we're, we have to deal with it and we have to kind of get used to it because I mean, it's sure shit not going anywhere. So to, to be fully against it and not see its its usage and how you could actually utilize it for creative practices. I don't know. I'm just blabbing right now, but I think, you know, I've used AI uh, 
specifically looking at ChatGPT personally, just because it's helped me tremendously be able to accomplish a bunch of things, which normally I'd be slogging through trying to figure out how should I write this? What should I say? What's a catchy, pithy title and things like that. So I think there are merits to using AI generated technology. And I think they can still work together in the future. I mean, look, photography didn't totally take away traditional painting like it still exists it's just a different it's just different from what it was before but you can still do it I mean it's amazing so I think that (laughs) I think that we can have world peace with all of these different art forms so anywho I just I don't think we should be quite quick to say no to it but I don't think we should I think we should just be aware is all I guess so anyway I'm just blabbing on and on and on Jesus uh, that is it for this episode of Biomara. Let me know how you feel about AI generated artwork in the comments below. Um, I do think we need to like get on board with it a little bit more as a society and not be so like, no, especially as creatives. Like I think we can use it to our advantage. Ugh, anyway. Okay. I'm done talking about it. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like this episode, please be sure to like it. It really helps me out. And same with subscribing. I appreciate all of you who have done so, so far. You are amazing and wonderful. And I love you all very much. And uh, yeah, that's it. So I'm Amari Andrew. Never stop creating. <laughs>